Let's grab our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5, page 1297. So we're looking at the subject of our sin and misery, and where we created evil, what was the origin of our evil, sinful nature. Romans 5 speaks to this. Romans 5, hear the word of God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. But when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned, for until the, the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteousness, righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's Romans 5. Let's now uh, read from our confessions here. Lord's Day 3 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 519. If 
we are in the second heading of the Heidelberg Catechism about our sin and misery. An important knowledge to gain is um, how great our sins and misery are. It's in order to know our only comfort in life and death. Lord's Day 3 is speaking about the extent of our sin and misery. So it goes like this. Did God then create man so wicked and perverse? No, on the contrary, God created man good and in his image. That's in true righteousness and holiness so that he might rightly know God his creator, heartily love him, and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. From where then did man's depraved nature come? From the fallen disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve in paradise. For there our nature became so corrupt that we are all conceived and born in sin. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? Yes. Unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. After the sermon, we'll sing from the provisional psalms and hymns. It'll be In Christ Alone on page 74, 75. Brothers and sisters, loved by Jesus Christ, our Lord, we sometimes read a new book or maybe you watch a movie. There's always a worldview. There's always a perspective. And maybe you see some of the modern trends. I like to take note of what is the modern worldview. Um, does it end well? You read a book. Watch a movie. Does it end well or is it ending with a note of there's only more trouble coming. Watch for the sequel. Frequently in the last, I'd say, 10, 15 years, there's a lot of discouragement. And it's kind of plaguing everything you hear on the news. The world's going to come to an end. It's all, you know, some sort of global warming, some, some climate disaster that's coming our way. The world has no good news at the end. But you read the Scriptures, and it ends well. It starts well and ends well. Remember paradise in the beginning? Well, you've got paradise at the end in Revelation. And we are in the time of the middle. This is the time of sin and misery. This is not normal. And the sin and misery that we live with, they're worse than we first realize. Especially from God's perspective. The more we look at the Scriptures, the more we realize, why is there even hope at the end of God's Word? There's a powerful, hopeful ending for those who are in Christ Jesus. But do you realize we do have to wrestle with the misery that we're in right now. The Lord's guiding us through this time of misery. 
a time of sin and addictions. Remember how we heard this morning about the different things that tie us down, that captive, uh, make us captives and prisoners. You have broken relationships and unfaithfulness. You have sickness, you have pain, you have death. All, you have natural disasters, there's war and terrorism. Like whatever it is on your news. And yet, turning to God's Word, there's sin and misery, but that's not the final. And more importantly, there's that sin and misery, and it's not as good as you might think. It's actually far worse from God's perspective. And the Lord helps us see the extent of our sin and misery, the grip of our sin and misery. I'm going to work through three points here. He reveals our beginning. He reveals our fall. And He reveals our hope. First of all, the beginning. It's always good to start at the beginning. Lord's Day 3 is doing that. Did God then create man so wicked and perverse? And that question, I'm not sure if we've mined the question well enough at this point, because you get, you're going to have to be honest. We're looking at the same evidence that the world of unbelievers look at. You're hearing, you're watching the same news. There's lots of misery going on. Death and disaster and sickness, you, you name it. But are you prepared for this part of the question? Do you agree or do you disagree that man is so wicked and perverse? We have just covered that in Lord's Day 2, that there is a way to measure man's misery and his sinfulness. Sinfulness is not hitting the mark. It's missing the mark. Misery is all the ripple effects of that, including the fact that you are never going to be able to hit that mark. It doesn't get better. It's the hopelessness of being in a pit with a shovel, and you're still digging downward. So Lord's Day 2, speaking of the law, is honestly according to the law of God. You want to know how bad it is? You want to know how bad it gets? I am inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. There was that slide at the park, but it's no park. It's the slippery slope. I hate God and my neighbor, and it's only getting worse. And maybe that word hate sets you off because it's not that bad. Maybe it sounds too harsh to say hate. But how about this? I have a natural tendency to forget God. I have a natural tendency to think God is irrelevant. So what? So what is how we respond to God? Would you, at this point, say that all the brokenness in life, all the suffering, all the hell that people experience can be traced back to man hates God? And it doesn't have to be the hate-hate kind of God, uh, the, the kind of hating God to such an extreme extent, but to make God and His Word second place and put yourself ahead of God. That's what the question's asking. Did God create you this wicked and twisted that you put yourself in God's seat? You will decide what is right and wrong. No, 
The answer is just no. God didn't make you that way. In the beginning, God, here's the story, here's the truth from God himself, because none of us were there in the beginning, and we hear, you were good. That should be kind of surprising, given that the entire world around us, the world, um, the culture tells us, the alternative story to our beginning is, there was a big bang, and billions of years, and slowly out of the sludge, life happened, and from that life, slowly, millions of years, some intelligence happened, and even religion and superstition, all senses of purpose have just kind of come out of that. There's evolution. One popular story. But will you believe God's revelation of events? It didn't start with a mess. Started good. That in the beginning he created everything beautiful, orderly, in the space of six days. The world will tell you it started low and it's getting better with time, except if you read the news lately, then it's only going downhill. They start low and say it's going up. But you hear in the Word of God, you've started high, you've started to the glory of God, and you've fallen from there, and, and now this is where we're at, but we will end high to the glory of God. And we live with the same misery that the world has. We get the same miserable news. Whether you believe in God or not, the question is, can you see your way through this? Is there any hope through this misery? Will you believe that God created Adam and Eve? He set them in paradise? Because here's a short summary. Lord's Day 3 says it like this. Did God create man so wicked and perverse? And the answer is no. On the contrary. You know how he God created man? Good. And in his image. Reflecting who God is. That is in true righteousness and holiness. So that he might rightly know God his creator. Heartily love him. And live with him in eternal blessedness. To praise and glorify him. That answer, kind of long, if you're trying to memorize it, but it's loaded with Scripture. The Scripture wrapped in that message, like Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and a lot more. You're going to hear Scripture describe it. And yeah, you're going to have a few questions like, if God made everything so good, why did it break down? If it was so good, why couldn't it withstand even fall into sin? But, but look at where the scriptures are clear. Where God is so clear on this. In the beginning was paradise. And it was very good. In the beginning, Adam and Eve thrived in that paradise. They walked with God. They were righteous, doing exactly as God had designed them for, made them for. They felt right with God. They loved God. They listened to God. They worshiped God. And that's the beginning. What God has revealed to us. Awesome beginning. 
As a believer, you can experience hints of paradise. Little remnants of paradise. And say you have an awesome time. A great weekend. In this broken world, not only is it something of a taste of what's coming, but it, if you've had an awesome experience, it is also a hint of what we were made for. How paradise used to be. There's a bit of deja vu going on. And God has revealed that our story began with joy. It's this miserable part in the middle. But it will end with joy again. We have right now sin and misery. An invisible force dragging us to death. Let's go to our second point and ask about that invisible force ever since the fall. Our second point is about the fall. So there's another question, a follow-up one in Lord's Day 3. If God didn't create man so wicked and perverse, from where then did man's depraved nature come from? Where did that awful, sinful nature come from? And the answer, from the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. For there our nature became so corrupt that we are all conceived and born in sin. This might be a challenge, especially given the the modern culture that we live in. That we have something to do with Adam. Do Do you catch the pattern there? Why are we in such trouble? Well, something thousands of years ago, Adam and Eve were like, hang on. No, no, I'm an individual. I never made that choice. The cultural view right now is that we are fragmented, isolated individuals. My personal choice is for me alone. Isn't that how you grow up? A couple of weeks ago, we were looking at Lord's Day 1. Reminded of this modern sense of belonging. That we belong nowadays only to someone if we have chosen to do that. Someone belongs to us only if we want them to. You have a pet. He belongs to you because you want it. It was your choice. When we read Romans, the difficult language of the Apostle Paul is now more difficult because against everything we feel and sense in our society is that you actually have something to do with your grandparents, your great-grandparents, and all the way back to Noah, to Adam. The message in Romans 5 is you're not an isolated individual. Because Adam sinned, we all sinned. Romans 5.12 says... Through one man, sin came into the world, and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. It's saying from Adam, verse 18, One man's offense resulted in condemnation for all men. Verse 19, By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And even if you don't have the fancy word called headship, 
you have all of that right there. Adam is responsible for the fall into sin in a different way than Eve. Sure, Eve was guilty. She was the first to sin. She was also guilty in a different way. She was deceived by Satan into taking the fruit. But the Apostle Paul, God himself, goes straight to Adam. What have you done? Or where are you? His unique role in the fall of the human race. There's no gender equality. Nobody's fighting for gender equality on this point. It is Adam's fault. And God points the finger at him. The Apostle Paul then is counting on us that we would understand this headship thing. This representation. Adam is the head of all who are in his body. We're not fragmented, isolated human beings that just pop into existence or get dropped off by a stork. We trace ourselves, our beings, our identity, all the way to Adam. And I don't just mean genetics, but a moral code of ethics. Adam passes on his choices and his values. His choice to say, I will decide what is good and what is evil. I will go for that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Where do you think you get the sense that you can decide what is right and wrong? Hello, it's Adam. All who have been in Adam, all who come forth from Adam, all who take on Adam's image, you go down that same slippery slope. Hating God and hating your neighbor. Saying to God, says who? So the Catechism summarizes it saying like this. When Adam and Eve disobeyed in paradise, our nature became so corrupt. Our nature became corrupt as well, but it became so corrupt that we're all conceived and born in sin. It's in our genetic code, in our DNA, that this moral code are just like Adam's. We too will now count God as second place and I would like to sit on my own throne. Thank you. And you get this, even with the smallest child born of Adam. He's already showing he is like the fallen, sinful ancestor, Adam. His world revolves around him. Not God, not our neighbor. little baby soon twists what he wants, what she wants, into I absolutely need it or I will die. There's all that deception built into a little child. And they will reign on the throne in your house if you let them. But the truth is, God has revealed paradise, a perfect paradise For perfect children. That's how it began. But through Adam, Adam has led all to say, I will determine for myself what is good and what is evil. I don't need God to tell me. Is this the extent of the misery you see in your own life? I challenge you to recognize the extent of sin and misery that it goes this deep 
you will tell God, you stay over there and mind your own business. Don't you have that in your heart? You have secret places that you would like God to be away from you? The news is worse than we first thought. That's what this message is getting at, our sin and misery. And Romans 5 is putting it bluntly. Death spread to all men. Death reigned. Many died through one man's trespass. Judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. By the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. You can't line up a worse set of verdicts, judgments. This is bad news. Is there a way forward? Adam was your head. You are part of his body. You're a member of Adam. You have solidarity with him. You are in him. So when he fell, it was your fall too. When he hated God, when he chose his own way, that was your choice too. You can see it in your own life if you're honest. From where did your depraved nature come? From Adam and Eve. Especially from Adam. Do you belong to him? It's time for a third point. The Lord reveals one glorious hope. As we hear about the extent of our sin and misery, as I find the scripture to say, okay, how will I show the extent, the depth, the gravity of our situation? It's hard for me to find a scripture passage that doesn't just move on. Romans 5 is one of them. It moves on. And it goes into the, the, the message of hope. It began with, and pretty much every line for a chapter, for at least half of the chapter of Romans, every line begins with, well, this is how it was in Adam. This is how you were in Adam. And it's hard to stop there because Romans 5 has given us hope. That no matter how deep, how great your sin and misery, the Scriptures can't help but speak more than that. Verse 15, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Verse 16, the free gift resulted in justification. Verse 17, much more they will reign through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, so one act of righteousness resulted in justification of life. Verse 19, by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. I'm not making this up. It keeps going. Verse 21, grace abounded much more so that grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hopefully you follow Paul's argument. He's saying, you understand this one thing. Adam brought misery to all who were in Adam. He's the head of the human race. Now, Adam was a type though. Type of the one who is to come, verse 14. Jesus Christ is our hope. Here's the point. All who belong to Christ 
by faith have this solidarity with Christ. You are in Christ. Your only comfort in life and death is is that you're not your own. You're not Adam's anymore. Adam's problem is he wanted to be his own. This is your only comfort. I am not my own, but belong now to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. What's he done for you? Fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. Set me free from all the power of the devil. And that's what Romans 5 is speaking about. Hope. You belong to Jesus Christ. And all that is in Christ. All who are in Christ. Live again. We're in this miserable middle time right now. Glorious beginning. Sin and misery right now since the fall. We're looking forward to a hope at the end. But right now, the word of God comes to you. As great, as deep, as dreadful, as miserable as that sin and misery can be, you are in Christ. And you know what that means. You're in Christ. You're justified. You're sanctified. There's that glorified coming, but you are already right. You're released from your sin, the guilt, the shame. You are released from the power of Satan. You don't have to say yes to Satan all the time. Lord's Day 3. Are you so corrupt that you're totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? The answer... Yeah, that, yes, I am that hopeless. We are that way, inclined to all evil. We are, but we can't help but just give away. We're, we're going to spill the ending of this unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. That is our hope. Unless God does something about it. Do you hear the gospel? Don't be shy to admit the sin and misery. In fact, you want the greatest comfort in life and death? Begin with the knowledge of not just that you are sinful, but how great is your sin and misery? Because as far down as you dig, you will still find that you're not out of the reach of the grace of God the power of the Holy Spirit, the regenerating power to give you new life. If you are in Christ Jesus, you belong to Him. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you belong to Him. That's how you make it through the sin and misery right now. You're not helpless. You are not inclined to all evil if you believe in Jesus Christ. That slide that aims faster and faster to hating God and hating your neighbor and ending in death, that slide has turned around. If you are regenerated by the Spirit of God, 
How about this? Do you do good? You are able to do good by the regeneration of the Spirit of God. You're freed from that slippery slope, inclined to all evil. You ever find that you delight in doing good? I sometimes notice that. Where does that come from? I want to do what's good. Not just please people, but I want to do what's good for my neighbor. I want to do what is glorifying to God. You ever have that? As you hear a song, a beautiful piece of music, and your heart joins in? Where does that glory to God come from? You're no longer inclined to all evil. This is the power of God in your life. Congregation, go on your way with this hope. If you are in Jesus Christ, if He is your Savior, and you believe in Him, you belong to Him, the one who will lead you to do good, to praise God, that you would, how does it go? Be made good and in His image, that you would rightly know God, your Creator, that you would heartily love Him, that you would live with Him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify Him. That's the regenerating work of the Spirit of God in your life. Amen.